Yeah, this will be our be our last Sunday here for a few Sundays. We'll be heading back down to Sydney this week, and we'll be a few weeks in uh, in Cameltown. We're not exactly sure how when we'll be back, but we but we will be back. You can't get rid of us that easily. <laughs> um, God created the world in six days, or did he? This is the question that we'll have to be uh, hopefully answering today, as, this, as the Bible explicitly says that he does. But this question has been a live question for at least 200 years. There are basically three ways that people look at this idea. The first way is that that we there were people who believe that God did create the world in six days, and these people are called young Earth creationists, and they believe that the world is less than ten thousand years old. And I unashamedly and avowedly am a young Earth creationist. That is what I believe. But in this world, it is very much a minority opinion. Even in the church, there are people who would say that they are old earth creationists. They believe that God used evolution to bring forth this earth. And they believe that the world is billions of years old. And it is a very commonly held view in the church. The problem that we have with this, though, is that we are then picking and choosing. What we believe in the Bible, is we can believe at face value, and what we can dispose of. And then there are the evolutionists. These people are very much the majority in particularly the Western world, but increasingly the whole world, where they believe that, this, that the world just came into being by chance over billions of years. So... Why do people believe these different views? And it comes down to what we call presuppositions. You're saying, well, that's a big word. What does that mean? Well, a presupposition is something that we assume to be true, something which you must assume is true in order with what you are thinking or saying is true. And we shouldn't be afraid of saying that we have these presuppositions. Everybody has a presupposition. Take, for instance, the evolution. 
Why is it that it is so popular? It's been taught every day in our schools. And they are materialists. And this is their presupposition. That the only thing that exists that is real is material things. Things that we can touch. Things that we can see. Things that we can hear. Things that we can taste. The things that we can smell. Apart from these things, there is no ex nothing that exists. And therefore, there is no God. Therefore, there is no creation. Therefore, there, is, there are no miracles. And therefore, they must hold to evolution. To explain the world as we see it and as they uh, and all that is in it if you just think about it for any length of time without actually being just saying well that's what everybody believes therefore I'm going to believe it you'll know that it is impossible that the complexity of this world came about by chance but people want to believe it. You know why they want to believe it? Because if there is no God, there is no creator, they are not accountable to a creator. And that is the foundation of why the world as it is. They don't want to be accountable to God and the creator. And as we go through in Genesis, we'll see why it is that this has come about. I'm thankful for what Lucy just shared with us from Pilgrim's Progress. Because you know, you know what these people are like? They're like obstinate. They're obstinately hold on to their view of evolution. But then we had the second person that Lucy talked about, pliable. These are the Christians. And they also have the, the old earth creationists. They also have a presupposition, which is basically materialistic with a veneer of God over the top. And they are very pliable. They say, yeah, yeah, I can, I can squeeze billions of years into the Bible. Yeah, I can, we can do that. But what they do is they undercut the foundation of the Word of God. They pick and choose what it is that they want to believe. But then they can't, they, there is no authority in them. They want to have their cake and eat it too. But the reality is there is no cake and there is no eating. 
which then brings us to the young earth creationists. They also have a presupposition. A presupposition that there is God, that he is a creator, that he is supernatural, that he is powerful, and that he can and did create the world in six days. And this is what we're going to be looking at this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> I just read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 27. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void or empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning. The first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And the, God called the expanse heavens. There was evening and there was morning the second day. The Lord and God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fresh fruit. Fruit trees bearing fruit in which it is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their own seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was evening and it was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day and the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the, in the expanse of the heavens to give light un, upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. 
And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth about across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves from which the waters swam according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. The fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over, and over all the earth. And let every creeping creature that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And then over to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you are the Creator God. That just by your command, what was formless and empty was formed and filled. Father, this, when we look and see how great is your creation and then realise that it was you who created it, we realise how great you are. Father, give us understanding, give us humility before your greatness as we consider your word and we pray that you would speak to us and that father we might grow in our knowledge our love and our trust of you in jesus name we pray amen, amen. we go back to verse two we read there that the earth was without form and void this empty is another word. This becomes the program for the, the six days of creation. The first three days, what was formless, without form, he gives form to. And then what was empty, he then fills. So that's what we'll be looking at in these six days of creation. Verse 2 also reminds us that darkness 
was over the face of the deep. Everything was dark. And so the very first thing that God says is, let there be light. And light came. He separated the light from the darkness. Why was it that God created light first? Light is very important. It is essential for all life and therefore it was created first. If we did not have light, we couldn't see anything. Even more important, if we did not have light, there would be no plant material, vegetables, vegetation. These things all rely upon light. If there was no light, there would be no life. But at the same time, evolutionists will say, got you now. Day one, light. Day four, sun and moon. How can you have days if you don't have the sun, you don't have the moon? Game, set, match. You're finished. We won. The arrogance of the evolution. But God who creates the light and separates the night the light and the darkness can certainly do that in 24-hour periods. And light is essential. The sun and the moon, not necessarily. If we go to the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 21-23, we're told... That the new Jerusalem that we sang about, sing about in that song, Jerusalem. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. That shows that for eternity we will live without the sun and the moon because God himself will be light and the lamb, the sun is the lamp even when he was on earth Jesus said in John 8 verse 12 I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So just as this light is essential for our physical life, so Jesus, the light of the world, is essential for eternal life. We must <coughs> trust in the light. But God goes on in days two and three, to form the earth. First of all, he separates the waters. The waters above from the waters below. 
And then he separates the waters and the land. And then, uh, then on the land, he sets forth the vegetation. Fruit and seed. Everything that is needed for life. So now it's ready to be filled. We start off with days four and five. Filling the heavens and the sea. It's interesting how it describes here the filling of the heavens. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons for year, days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to, fill, to, to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. just want to make two comments here. First to do with the function of the sun and the moon. To be signs for days, for seasons, for years. It says here it's a sign, but even today we recognise the role of the sun and the moon in all of these things. How is, this, how is a day defined? A day is how long that takes the earth to spin so as to go through a cycle of, of day and night. How is a week defined? Seven days. The years. How long is a year? It is how long it takes the earth to traverse around the sun. How are, how are the seasons determined? Determined by the longest day and the shortest day. Summer is how is the day when we have days when we have the longest period of sunlight in a day. Winter is determined by that period where we have the shortest day of sunlight in the year. And in, and um, autumn and, and spring when they are equal, the equinox. So even today, we still follow what the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 1. But that's not the most important thing I want to say about this. You find, don't you find it interesting that they are described here as the greater light and the lesser light? The greater light to rule over the day, the lesser light to rule over the night. 
as we have it here in Genesis, Moses, who wrote this, was not alive when, when the creation was made. How did he know this? It was revealed to him by God. And Moses was living within a culture, within a world, where there was idolatry. And what were some of the things that people worshipped? The sun and the moon. And so here we have an account which doesn't even name the sun or the moon. It's just, just, just called a greater light and a lesser light that were created by the Creator. And meanwhile, we also have people who worship the stars. It's just added in as, a, as an afterthought. The greater light, the lesser light, oh, and the stars. He is cutting out from underneath all the idolatry, all the worship of the ancients. So here we are in Genesis chapter 1, and we're already undercutting idolatry. Why? Because as, our, as um, John Calvin said, our hearts are a factory of idols. We're always making idols. The most fashionable idol today, I think, is climate change. Where we are worshipping the creation, not the creator. That is the essential part of idolatry. Worshipping the creation rather than the creator. I think this we need to um, take on board. What is most important in our lives? Is it the creator or is it the creation? Is it Jesus or is it climate change? Is it Jesus or is it family? Is it Jesus or is it money? Is it Jesus or is it sport? Is it Jesus or home and cars? Many things that are part of creation which we put instead of God. And here in Genesis chapter 1, he's already cutting out Manith, saying, you must worship the Creator rather than the creation. He then fills the air, fills the, sky, the sea with sea creatures and the air with birds. It talks about kinds. I'll go on to day six. Where we see that God fills the earth with every living creature. And it says there that they are all made after their kinds. This is a great fallacy 
that people have, particularly when they talk about Noah's Ark, but any time. They think, how did the God get all these species onto the Ark? God didn't need to get all these species on the Ark. He only had to get the kinds onto the Ark. Again, if you know, know anything about, about the animal kingdom, we know that there are families, orders, genuses, species. For instance, take horses for instance. There was one horse somewhere back in the past from which every horse that we have and all the species of horses have descended. Same with dogs, same with cats. They think the original dog was probably a wolf. But now you've but now that they've been interbreeding and everything, we have so many different species of dogs. Noah didn't need to have all them. He only needed to have two. This is what this is what it means when he talks about kinds. And finally, after creating everything by just a word, in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. The big question that we have to ask here is what does it mean? It talks about the image of God. What is the image of God? Many people have had different ideas of what it means to be man in the image of God. Some people say it's intelligence. We're more intelligent than everything else. But there are some very intelligent creatures. Some people might think it's the fact that we are relational. Therefore, that's the image of God. But other creatures are also relational. Some people might think we are creative after God. That's a bit more so. There's less creativity in the animal kingdom. But after reading about what is the image of God... It seems like what it means is related to what it says in the beginning of verse 26. After our likeness and let them have dominion. To be in the image of God is to have dominion, to rule. God is the Lord. God is the King. God is the ruler. And to be to reflect his image is to rule over his creation. 
That is what to be the image of God is. To be ruling. Man and woman ruling over his creation. But how are we going at ruling over the creation? <laughs> Not well. Just to um as vice region over the world, we have marred that when we sinned. That's why we don't rule the world well. But I want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6, where we see Jesus as both the image of God and the light of the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6. Therefore, having... This ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to all who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers... To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our heart, and given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. So even in this creation, it looks forward to Jesus as the light of the world. If that's not enough, we go to Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image, the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the perfect ruler. And Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does that mean for us? It means for us that we are to grow in godliness. We are to grow in Christ's likeness. We are to grow into that image of God. We are to rule wisely over the world. And we know that we're only one small part of this world. But we do pray for that day as we have prayed and as have we have mentioned that Jesus will return and he will rule perfectly over the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thanks, Bob. Um, I don't think there's too much to announce for the week. Um, there'll be prayer meeting again on Thursday after the dinner run, uh, six o'clock here uh, for prayer. Um, and yeah, then we'll be back here next Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing else to to announce. Anyway, we'll um, give thanks for dinner, and then we can make our way out the back and have something to eat and continue to have fellowship with one another. Father, we give you thanks for uh, this afternoon. We thank you for. Uh, being able to share with one another, to encourage one another, and uh, to remember your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his death uh, on our behalf. And uh, Thank you also for your word. Uh, Father, we give you thanks that uh, you are the creator uh, and you are also the uh, redeemer, the one who has uh, made a way by which we as sinful human beings can be brought into uh, the family of God. And we give you thanks. Uh, for uh, all that you have done uh, for us uh, and all the things that you continue to do in and through us uh, and for us, Father, we give you thanks. Father, we ask that you would help us in our uh, walk with you, help us to, be, uh, come, to become more like you uh, and to uh, reflect uh, the image uh, of God in, uh, in this uh, community in which we uh, live and um, uh, and and um, are a part of uh, Father. We, we we just ask that you would uh, continue to work in our hearts uh, to um, to make us more like yourself. We pray, Lord. We ask now that you just uh, be with us we, uh, as we continue in fellowship. We thank you for time together, and we thank you for the food that's been provided. And we pray that you bless it to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs>